Boys jumping ship on James Robinson. Tough. Somebody trade him away for a fourth round pick. Well, you should, right? I mean, why would you hold on to James Robinson at this point? Give me the upside on James Robinson. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. You think he's done? He's done. Or he's he's there's done points here. on both sides to be made. I think that's a good discussion, dynasty discussion, actually. Maybe yeah. let's talk about it on the show. Let's <laughs> talk about it on the show. That's a dynasty because we know this shit. You shouldn't be. Well, I've been seeing people draft him FFPC actually. Yeah, somebody drafted him this draft like a fifteenth yeah. round. So maybe it is. Maybe it's a put it on put it on the board. James Robinson. James Robinson. And we could talk about it with both redraft and dynasty. That's some fire topics, and then you don't want James Robinson topic. No, you can talk whatever you want. Honestly, I don't look at the list because I like to just wing it. Let's just take a ride along the bay. We don't need to work. We can sit around and play. I've been waiting for so long to get away. Baby, don't hold back. Welcome to First to 15th, the only podcast is trying to get you paid. I'm here with two-time FFPC champion, AB. Alongside him is my guy, Dial the Machine. Guys, I want to talk about drafting. I finally got into my first redraft. I know all three of us are drafting now. Mm-hmm. One question that I think that's coming up with people in the Dynasty community, more casual fans, is why are we drafting so early? Can you guys talk about the advantages of drafting early versus waiting for the dust to settle and drafting closer towards the start of the season? Well, it's two questions. I mean, why am I drafting so early? Because I'm addicted. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's definitely some advantages to be had. It really all depends on how accurate you are in player assessments and assessing the market. So. How accurate you think you are. Exactly. How accurate yeah, you how think you are. How confident you are. Exactly. Right, into the exactly. Draft streets. Yeah, exactly. So I think if you feel, you know, fairly confident, you feel like you've got a, a good sense of where players are going, where they should be going, and what values can be had, then it's a, it's a, it's a great time to draft. Um, for me personally, it, it really takes a draft for me to really settle in on certain players uh, and really get a good sense of where I have uh, players ranked and, and what tiers I have them in. Mm-hmm. Definitely, what ADPs look like. Exactly. Cur- like current ADPs. Mm. Uh, this year, I took it a little bit more upon myself to, uh, to prep a little bit ahead of time before starting FFPC, and I think it's really paid off. So, you know, the first couple of rounds, you know, the board may shift a little bit, but for the most part, I think you have a good sense of who you're on and who you're not on. Right off the bat, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's certain players that I'm going to be targeting, uh, and then certain players that I'm going to be avoiding in the first couple rounds. And in those mid rounds, it's really kind of who falls to you. Same thing. It's really one large tier with some players that you feel are potholes or or traps, and some players that you feel are, are values and targets. But still, you know, it, it's quite a large tier. To me, the advantage of drafting early now are really those is is the back half of the draft, hmm. because I think. There are a lot of players uh, that their values really, you know, don't reflect where I think their ADPs will be uh, once all the death settles and once people really kind of come to terms with certain running back situations. Uh, And there are a ton of examples out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it's, you know, in the wide receiver, uh, at the wide receiver position, I think it's at the running back position, uh, you know, uh, a little bit in the tight end position. 
And, you know, at least right now, quarterbacks are going so late uh, as well. So I think that's another advantage to drafting now is that mm -hmm. I can build a starting roster and still get an elite tight end. I mean, I drafted literally just before we came on and I was able to get a Kyler Murray uh, in the late eighth round. I want to say at 8-11. Yeah, so yeah, that's wild. To be able to kind of, you know, really draft a full roster and then have a potential elite tight end. I mean, QB1 is well within his range of outcomes. <clears throat> That's the advantage of drafting now. So, so yeah. wait, so Abby, when when was your first draft? Do you remember? No, <laughs> been that long. Whatever the first day we could draft. Now, <laughs> when they opened the gates, when they opened the gates, <laughs> I was running. Uh, Can you say how many drafts you've I been in? It's, uh, it's been a couple of weeks. Okay, how many drafts? Do you mind saying a couple? It's been more than a couple. Hours. <laughs> it's been more than a couple <laughs> in the last few, two days. A few, however you want, however many. Okay, you that's, fine. A few. that's fine. A few. That's fine. Yeah, a few. Um, me, as far as an advantage, mm -hmm. I mean, for me, there's edges that can be had in any situation, any platform, any kind of timing. There's always edges. The trick or the goal is to figure out where those ed edges are. Early drafting, I do think there's edges. But I, I think the edge is the uncertainty. And I think it's kind of a race to, to get certain in the fantasy community so you can take advantage of these certainties, again, that you think or assume is certain, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, me, like I was saying on the last show, the way I draft now, and by the way, I've done my first draft. So I have one in the hole. You know, I want to do more. All right. But uh, these streets are dead, so oh, nobody's, nobody's trying to draft <laughs> or something. But anyway, it's another topic. But uh, like I said last week, my strategy – it's more so, not per se zero running back, but I would probably prioritize wide receivers over running backs because mm -hmm. I feel like with all the ambiguity in backfields right now, mm -hmm. there's going to be values on those late running backs because nobody really knows how it's going to turn out. Get closer to the season when everybody's mm -hmm. more knowledgeable, everybody's mm -hmm. more accurate like the term you said, mm -hmm. then people are going to start pushing up those running backs because they now know yeah. this running back is somebody I want to secure for my team. So um, I think that's where a big advantage is if you play it right. You know, I think when you draft ambiguity, there's some people that have a little bit higher value in their ambiguity. Mm -hmm. If there's a way you can even measure that than others. Um, and I try to lean towards those, knowing that if they don't work out, I don't feel bad as far as me just cutting them. Yeah. Hmm. And let's just, I mean, you know, a couple of examples. Like, I think in the lab pod, pod we talked about, you know, maybe trying to avoid some of these rookies or trying to avoid the what we assume is the handcuff you mm -hmm. know uh and one of those examples was in the cardinals backfield right? mm -hmm. exactly and so i you know I, I was you know right off the bat you know i was just not a fan of you know keontae ingram's tape not necessarily saying that he couldn't succeed in the league but with the idea that if james connor were to go down i felt that they were going to bring, bring back somebody in. Yeah. so yeah. i didn't want to waste draft capital particularly where he was going in the mm -hmm. ffpt at that time because you know, it's kind of the shiny new toy. You know, rookies are, you know, kind of the sexy thing right now, especially, you know, you know, uh, coming out of dynasty drafts. So, those you know, players like that, I was trying to avoid taking them See. where they were taking. So, and at the same right, knowing how well Daryl Williams performed last year, mm -hmm. started taking him late in drafts. And then sure enough, the following day, he gets signed, to, you know, to the Cardinals. And so, right. that's a guy now that we drafted in the 18th round, mm -hmm. 17th right. round. Uh, that now has value and will probably end up in that kind of 13, right. 
14 range where high price handcuffs go. I'm going to be honest with you. I also drafted Darrell or Darrell Williams, whatever. We're going to have that discussion again. (laughs) I drafted him too. But honestly, the reason I drafted him because I heard whispers that he was in New Orleans. Possibly the same. Possibly going to sign him. So I was just like, let me get ahead of the curve. Let me just kind of stay ready with it. Turned out he signed with the Cardinals. Actually, it's an almost similar situation. Mm -hmm. If anything, Connor might have a higher injury history Mm -hmm. than than Kamara, so it might actually work out a little bit better. So, you know, cool. The, the, going back to Ingram, yeah. though, and this is on a dynasty thing. I, I like Ingram, mm-hmm. the player. The problem with Ingram in a redraft for me is his likely opportunity was just low, low type of potential outcome because of, I mean, this guy was a six-round pick. You know, six-round yeah, exactly. pick running back. Exactly. That, that's not somebody to put high draft capital in. And to be honest with you, if you, want, if you really want to keep it real, he's still kind of fighting for a job on the team. Mm, exactly. Mean, yeah, he has a higher chance than other players, but we've seen fifth, sixth, seventh round players get cut from rosters. I mean, do yourself if they a don't favor. Work out. Go back and look at uh, Eno Benjamin's college tape, and then go back and look at Keontae Ingram's college tape. Because it's easy to say, okay, oh, they just drafted this guy; he's automatically the second handcuff. But then when you go back and look at their both of their college tapes, you'll to me, I don't know, uh, Eno Benjamin looked. I thought you know, the problem with Eno better. Benjamin is he's had opportunity; he hasn't taken a hold. of I don't the, necessarily know that situation. he's had. I mean, a lot of he's opportunities. Always, like, okay, last year he was. Um, he only, he he's, he's really only had significant carries in one. But game. that's the thing, though. He, he's, I think he's going into his third year. His first season, he was drafted, so he had draft capital, and he didn't he play. never play. But, and it wasn't had nothing to do with injury. It was literally just they, the say, team, they said he wasn't ready. Exactly, the team didn't, wasn't they ready to put him out there. They said he wasn't the ready. The next year, now okay, now you have a year under your belt. In the preseason, he was fighting for snaps with uh, Jonathan Ward. Yeah, but he. And I out. actually think Ward was higher than him on the depth chart. When, when when Chase went out though, I think Eno actually got more carries. I think it might have been a situation they trusted War more, maybe in pass protection or something that yeah. they didn't trust Eno in. So Eno did get more carries, yeah. but he didn't truly grab the role. Yeah. And number one, they did draft Ingram, which again, yeah. six round pick, whatever. But now they signed a Darrell Williams. Yeah. So it lets me know yeah. to me. They don't really believe Eno has much in them anymore. And at the, all. and there's opportunities to be had because I, I think what you have to do is you know try and tell yourself a story, you know one that is more plausible than not. Right. So for me, you know one the, probably my highest owned player is Ceh, you know, and immediately when I got into drafts, I think the first time I drafted him, it was in the seventh round, and I understood you know the or you know the possibility that you know Daryl Williams may get resigned or even Jared McKinnon may get resigned or they may bring someone in. But at the current state in that offense, going in the seventh round with the players that he was that were going, going around in front him, of him, you know, a guy again, you know, we weren't we were never high on him that first year when he came out, but still he was drafted in the first See, round. But you're 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 proving the point when I talk about the ambiguity. People still aren't really sure what to make of CEH. And that's what you take I, advantage. Tell you, once August comes around, if they don't add anybody else and CEH is being yeah. ran during the training camp or whatever as the first team running back, the ADP is gonna go up. So I think that's where the advantage just yeah. circling back and around to the original question. There are examples of that right now. Yeah, circling back around to uh, the original question. That's where the advantage in drafting early is compared to yeah. later. Now, again, Abby drafted way more than us. And for what we've seen, there's not a lot of people drafting. Mm-hmm. So it can kind of be a double-edged sword because in my mind, I think the people that are drafting are people that are... A bit more sophisticated. Or confident. And yeah. feel like their accuracy. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're competing against people that are also... Yeah. 
Yeah. Probably. It's a bet. It's to a, some it's, extent. It's a it's a ready. bet. It's a bet on yourself. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when I when I when I'm drafting right now, I'm betting on myself that I've assessed this situation better than the other better people. than better yeah. than someone else, and I just right. need to be more right than someone else. Right. You know. Yeah. And I think there are a few. There will be a few lottery ticket league winners that you know from that seventh. Uh, or from the you know sixth, seventh round to the tenth, eleventh round, yeah. uh, where you can like grab guys and try and get a good share of players that could ultimately really kind of you know yeah. uh, carry your team. So yeah, that, a little that's bit what of I'm looking, looking at too, though. But yeah, yeah, I agree. So let's stay on drafts for a second because one guy, I think it's the same person in multiple drafts, is drafting three tight ends in a row. Now, I don't want to talk about whether that can be successful or not. I know that there have been some people who have talked about it. But yeah, I mean, what, we're talking about FFPC, so it's tight end premium. premium yeah. So right. tight ends are a little bit more valuable. Correct. It's a tight end premium mm-hmm. league. But what does it say about the nature of the tight end position that a guy can go three straight rounds and pick up top-tier tight ends? What does that say about the position? So what I've gathered, and again, this is just kind of my anecdotal experience uh, from the last few weeks of drafting on FFPC in the Football Guys Championship or Players Championship tournament, is that tight ends really, they're all over the board, okay? Uh, their ADPs have been very fluid from draft to draft. You'll have mm-hmm. your average ADP. But I've seen George Kittle go as high as mid-second round to as late as, I want to say, like mid to late fourth round. I've seen, Mm. you know, uh, Pitts go early second to late third. Uh, You know, Mark Mm, Andrews first or second round. Uh, And then when you get to that mid-tier, you know, or that lower tier, I think it's, you know, it's all across the board. And then when you get to that later tier, that sort of kind of, you know, lottery picket tier, yeah. you know, you waited on tight end or maybe, you know, you kind of drafted a safe guy, but you really want that tight end that's going to be able to produce. Right. You know, uh, it's all across the board. And I think people really have not, you know, figured out who that guy is because it's hard. And historically, we have not done a good job of it anyway. So I don't have an issue with drafting multiple tight ends. Uh, drafting them that early is something that I, you know, but drafting would not three do. in a row, though. Yeah, no, I would. That that you, I would you, not. You know, do. what's I, interesting. I mean, just kind of listening to what you were saying, um, I don't think there's much that can occur during an off season or right before a season starts that can really change dramatically exactly. the tight ends ADPs. Exactly. So if you're telling me the the tight ends are just kind of all over the board, yeah. That's probably how it's going to be indefinitely, and you can kind of look for an edge there, you know? I mean, I don't know if it'll be indefinitely. Like, I think, you know, you get I mean, to what, think about what can happen that'll make a tight end's ADP go up right now. Not go up, but stabilize, essentially. So, oh, are you right, saying it's moving around? Yeah, I'm saying it's fluctuating. I got you. Like, so what I've tried to do in terms of drafting early is, okay, what are some tight ends that I feel very confident in, mm-hmm. but that I think I can get a really good value? Because the ideal scenario for me is that, I fill out my running back and wide receiver and my flex positions, and then I get my tight end afterwards. But a tight end that can produce at a top five level. Because I really think you need a top five tight end or someone who can produce as a top five tight end. Who are your top to five tight ends right now? I can't give that out. We, this is what. Okay. So okay. and it's not any secret because I'm getting them at an ADP anywhere just below ADP. So. Zach Ertz, I really like, and I like Zach Ertz oh, for a couple of reasons. From the back, okay. Yeah, I like Zach Ertz for a couple of reasons. Uh, 
knowing that man, you know, no, 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 I don't don't do that. Okay, okay, all right. That's actually giving. <laughs> okay. Just, just list so, who the top the top. I really want to know more so the ADP. Who, who are the top five ADP? Oh, top, yeah, top five tight ends. So obviously you got people Kelsey mad because they want to hear your rankings, but oh well. Yeah. <laughs> so you Kelsey got, number because I thought you were telling me last week Mark Ingram's jump. Mark, Mark, Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews. Sorry. So, yeah, you'll see a couple of drafts maybe, I think, so here and there where Andrews, but for the most part, it's Kelsey number one. Okay. Uh, and then you have Mark Andrews, too. Okay. okay. Uh, and I, I agree with that because I think, you know, Mark Andrews splits uh, without Lamar. I mean, a lot of that work that he did where he's just with going Huntley. off was with Huntley and yeah. Johnson. Mm-hmm. And, and y'all know I was on Johnson last You're right, year. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, and he's without so, a job right now, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other discussion. Uh, but yeah, so Kelsey, Andrews, and then you have Pitts. Okay. Pitts is number three? Pitts is number mm-hmm. three. And then okay. usually Kittle. And then mm-hmm. I think usually TJ Hawkinson. Hawk. So yeah. Hawk is holding. Yeah, Hawk is holding. If Hawk is holding, that means no tight end is really but, and, 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 increased their ADP. And I don't want, I don't want, value. I really, yeah, I don't mind taking Kelsey. Uh, but I feel like with every team that I draft Kelsey on, it's probably a good bet to make it to the tournament cash in some way. But it's, I think it's very difficult to like win the tournament because you're giving yeah because you're giving up one of those elite guys you know one of those first rounders. But so so in the chat we had a, a long discussion about talent versus situation and the tight end position is one of those positions that I tend to look at their situation. Dio, like how do you use like your analytical brain as our tight end whisperer now remember to determine your tight end now remember when we when when i talk about i prefer talent over a situation Mm -hmm. i'm speaking more in dynasty because with dynasty situations can change at the drop of a hat and it's Mm -hmm. objective on very yeah everything's subjective (laughs) everything's subjective but you know dynasty a player can be in a good situation today and be in a horrible situation next year Mm -hmm. you know so that's always something that can you know can fluctuate but in redraft it's still a situation i I do i I value athleticism in my tight ends Mm -hmm. because i feel like if you have the athleticism the only thing you need now then is the targets Mm -hmm. the volume and then you know yahtzee like i said last year i don't don't, don't 100 agree you know because Mm -hmm. because if you're not athletic or have the talent once you get that if you get a high target share, I mean, yeah, you're getting it, but they're not excited. You're getting these catches, yeah. getting tackled, you know, mm-hmm. probably give you 11 points, you know. And I 100% agree. And the only reason that, and to me, Ertz does not fall in that athleticism category. But right. I will tell you this, from a route running standpoint, from a getting open standpoint, and from what I saw, because I was really worried about Ertz going to- Well, I got a question. With, with, uh, going, to, yeah, going to Arizona last year, because I just didn't feel like- he was really, you know, going to fit in that offense. Right. But he really was, in my opinion, Kyler Murray's safety, safety blanket. Yeah, yeah. So now you add in a Marquise Brown who could really take the top off of defense. Yeah. Hopefully you get, you know, a Rondell Moore who's healthy, who's also speed, who defenses have to account for. And you get a guy who, who defenses really aren't targeting to stop. So, so remind me, when Ertz was eating, who were Kyler's – was Kyler even playing? Remember Kyler was hurt for a long time. Who were the other – Receiving options there because remember Hopkins was hurt. Yeah, Chris Kirk. Kirk. Yeah. Kirk. Then, okay, Kirk. Yeah. I forgot mm-hmm. about Kirk. And Westlaw and uh Wesley. No, Antoine Wesley. Antoine Wesley. Yeah. yeah. Um, Moore was, I think, hurt. Moore was was banged Something up going on with Moore. Something was going on. Yeah, okay, so I have a question for you. And because, AJ Green. Huh? And AJ. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will not. So so <laughs> you listed out the top five ADP tight ends. Yeah. But then you were about to start listing out your 
you know, your five, you were going to start from five and go to one, and you said Ertz. So my question to you is, who do you prefer, Ertz or Hawkinson? I prefer Ertz over Hawkinson. Okay, that was easy. Um, I mean, like, just even in the vacuum. No, that's, that's the only question. That's all you yeah. got to get. That's just even in the get. vacuum. Okay. Okay. But then it stops there. Okay. But I prefer Ertz ADP over uh, Kittle's ADP if he's going to be going in the third round. Got you. Got you. All right, so it's still early in the season. There's still some holdouts, potential holdouts, contract issues. Mm-hmm. The big one is Kyler. How do you guys factor in holdouts and contract issues when you're drafting players? Yeah, so this is a – man. Because <laughs> that's a big <laughs> one. A, whatever, people know. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, we got into the discussion about Gronk. Right. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, to Gronk or not to Gronk. That's different, though. That's retirement. But to that's me, I mean, but it's the same situation. You know, holdouts, yeah. contract situations, I think it's different, though, because the, the holdout is due to – a dispute with the team wanting to get paid. Mm-hmm. Gronk is just how I feel. Like, do I want to come back, or do I? Yeah, but okay. So, a, but does a player? Will a player actually hold out? Still, in the the end result is. I mean, Kyler to some extent play? is kind of holding out right now, right? He's holding out, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Somewhat, as, I mean, as is Terry McLaurin. He's not in yeah, practice yeah. either. Well, Marquise Brown also didn't show up either. A lot of players didn't show up. I don't think know? his is a holdout though, is it? Who, who knows? Well, he's in the same. He's in the same Darren contract Waller, year. He's in the same contract year as, as McLaurin. Yeah, and you're right. He knows. He knows. He basically has this organization by the balls. Yeah, right, 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 you know? right, right. Because they gave up so much draft capital to, to get, get him. him. Yeah, you know. So Darren, Mc, Darren Waller, I think, is gonna hold out too. By the way, hmm. like we're not done with this contract issue. Like yeah. honestly, the the wave prior to the draft, yeah, that was the first wave. But this is where you can take advantage, and, it, and it's all based off of risk tolerance. If you're going to tell me that there's a 15% chance that Kyler does not or plays this year, so basically mm. 85% chance that Kyler does not I play this year. I think it's 0% chance he doesn't play. So well, if, Say it's an 85% chance that he did not play this year. 85%? And, and I'm getting him in the eighth round. I'll take I'll take that I'll take that risk that fifteen percent chance that he plays every single 85 time. Eighty five is kind of low because at the quarterback yeah. at the quarterback position I can just easily get a second. But I don't think I don't think anybody thinks there's any chance whatsoever Kyler might not play. Okay, but they don't think that. But this is what's going on. You have DeAndre Hopkins. Are you, are you saying Kyler's value is going down? His value is going is down because it's, yeah. yeah, because it's not just the fact of the holdout. It's the overall state of the Cardinals. People no, don't have I mean, a good feeling about the Cardinals. I mean, but that is what Hopkins, it is, regardless. Though. But you got Hopkins sitting out six weeks, right? Okay, which is going to be regardless. Losing, you got them losing Christian Kirk. You right. got the you, you got the idea of Kyler being hurt last year and hurting people, which you know, he probably will get when, hurt again this year when, when they mm-hmm. need it. Yeah, and then you got the holdout situation. So his value is low. But what people aren't taking into account is that. If you're looking for that late round QB who could be QB one, number one overall, everyone's talking about Jalen Hurts because guess what? Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts right now is in good light. You just added AJ Brown, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, second year in the system. Yeah, you know, he's got a good offensive line. Third People year. know he runs, but he's the sexy pick now, right? They so go with sexy, that sexy pick stuff. Man. He's the sexy <laughs> hey, look, pick right now. He's the guy. Look, he's the guy. He's the target. He's everyone's target. But look, in the late round. I, I just don't think at the moment. His value is being depressed due to the holdout. I think the it's other a combination stuff, of things. I think the other stuff you mentioned by far is weighing down on his yeah. value, and I think it should because Hopkins is going to be out those six games, you know, regardless of what way you look at it. Um, I will say this: last year, Kyler Murray was not zeroing in on Hopkins. You weren't. It wasn't like the year before where like every yeah, single he was ball spreading, was going. He was spreading. He was spreading, he was spreading so what that what that showed me. But when I went back to go look at it. He is advancing as a QB. Yeah. So now you get a healthy Kyler yeah. who can be a pocket passer and who can run. Yeah, but but he also had Kirk who's gone. 
So now you have so two now you weapons got, that are you gone. Got, you got Marquise AJ Brown. AJ Green, which is older than he was last year. And we saw the way he looked last year, <laughs> like one foot in the ground. Yeah, but you bring it to Marquise Brown. Hollywood, Hollywood is, okay, Hollywood, by the way, Hollywood, I think, is a value. I don't, where's got, Hollywood going? Is he going late? I don't know. He's a, I don't think he's a value. I do not think he's a value. He's not going late? He's going, mm. like, in the late fourth round. Oh, that's not a value. Round. Is yeah, he going that late? I would have thought. He's going He's going in the early So people are, because like, last year he was going, like, eighth. Yeah. The last two years, I've just, I've literally So if he's going that high, yeah, he's not to, a value. To, 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 uh, to draft Marquise oh, Brown. Oh, yeah, like, I got him in the fifth. Yeah. Yeah, that's too early for me. I can't do it. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I I, I I'm think lying. right now, no, of course. If I think my argument really is, I don't think there's a true depression in anybody's value that's holding out at the moment. Hmm. Now, I think once we get into training camp, because remember, training camp is when they can start being fined, mm-hmm. right? Once they get into training camp and people are actually missing, okay. So let me ask you practices. This. So we're seeing Debo go into the late second round. Okay, so there's two questions to this. Mm-hmm. One is. Where do you personally think he should go? And two is where do you think the fantasy community would have him going if he were not holding out? I don't think I think where he's going now is where he would go regardless of yeah, me too. Okay. But but yeah. the first question is I'm not a big Debo advocate this season. Right. No, no. Let me take it back because everybody's a value. I think Debo's a great player. Mm-hmm. I think wherever he ends up, whether it's with San Francisco or with another team, they're going to utilize him. He's going to score fantasy points. Yeah. But I think the way the fantasy community has valued Debo, yeah. especially with the rumors, and we got to say it's rumors because we haven't heard yeah. it from Debo's mouth that he doesn't want to be used as a and, running back. Yeah, yeah, as a back the way he's been he yeah. was used yeah. last year. So if he doesn't get those type of touches, which to me are money touches. Yeah. I think that depresses his value even a little bit more. But it's not I think just he contract. only said that though because he knows that running backs don't get paid like receivers, and he right. does not want to be seen. Smart. Yeah. Well, that's like his fault because he called himself a wide back. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, why I would mean, you say that? You know that? what? How much do wide backs get paid? We not don't a, know. Not they, as yeah. much as wide receivers. We don't know. There's well, never been one. Who's the highest wa- paid wide back? <laughs> we don't know. There hasn't been one. Well, but look, look, it's not just contract holdouts though. It's I'm telling you, it's, it's the guys who are looking at retirement. It's also the guys who are hurt. And it's the guys who have legal situations okay, coming okay, up. Okay, so, let's, so look, let me ask you. So, 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 ask you, so yeah. you got Kamara, okay? So Kamara right now, I just drafted Kamara at 211, okay? Mm-hmm. Didn't feel great, great about it, but I'm not going to let him slip to the third round. So right now, there's a lot of just sort of kind of unknown with regarding his legal situation. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into like what could happen, what may happen. But say regular, say, you know, September 7th, regular season comes and we find out, okay, his hearing has been pushed back to after the season. So he's yeah. not getting suspended. Yeah. What do you think his value is going to be? See, that's my argument. I don't think anybody's value whatsoever is, is being hurt by their circumstance. Uh, you don't think, no, no. you don't think Kamara will be Watson? going at the back end of the second, second round? Same thing oh, with Deshaun Watson. Only Watson and Gronk. I what about, so do. you think Kamara will be going at, you know, towards the back end of the second, early third round? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do think so. Yeah, I, I, don't I don't think, the, and the reason I say that is because I, I still think the majority of fantasy owners don't even realize or not taking into account the possibility of Kamara being oh, I disagree. Out. I disagree. I think the guys that are drafting right now, at least in the FFPC, are taking that. I, 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 I mean, hmm. just, from, just from the way I've been observing people talk. Because here's the thing. When people talk about Watson, everybody talks about how many games might he miss. Yeah, like, yeah. Everybody talks about And that's about taken that. into account into you know? his ADP. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I, I, when I see people talk, about Kamara, I don't see people attaching that with the, you know, how many games could he possibly miss? I don't see people because nobody that. knows. <clears throat> nobody, but nobody knows Watson either. Yeah, nobody yeah. knows Watson either. Yeah. We'll see. And, and, we'll see. and again, I think Kamara and Gronk, because you know we had the long discussion about Gronk on the text yeah. message today. I think Gronk, if he was to say I'm back, mm-hmm. his value would 
skyrocket. Yeah. So 10th round, yeah. smashing that yep. all day. 10th, <clears throat> yeah. I just, I'm, I'm, but that's, a, that's another discussion. Yeah. Now, last year, AB, I know that you took the strategy of diversifying a bit, right? Yeah. You knew that you were going to be a volume drafter and you kind of diversify, yeah. you know, like your teams. Yeah. Are you still going to do that this year or, no. or are you going to change <laughs> Do we got three trophies up there? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, no, you know, I, I think, you know, when it comes to diversifying, I think it's something that I'm, you know, still learning. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, other high stake players, I've heard them speak on diversifying, and they are probably more sophisticated and more involved at doing that uh, as far as keeping spreadsheets mm-hmm. uh, and having a good sense of, you know, uh, where they are as far as ownership. Uh, I, don't necessarily, I don't think that that's for me, uh, mm-hmm. but I do think that I want to continue to diversify, but do it, you know, do so uh, in my own way. And that means mm-hmm. just kind of having my core pl- uh, of players, okay, mm-hmm. because I still like the draft in tiers. But really, not being afraid to take a guy in the fourth round whose ADP is in the sixth round. Mm. You know, uh, last year I also felt like I got you know greedy in drafts as far as okay, this guy is going in the sixth round. Let me not take him here. Let me just take this you know this guy that whose ADP is uh, you know a round or two ahead, mm-hmm. even though he's someone that I really didn't want to draft. Uh, and so I'm I'm really gonna try to avoid that this year. I'm just gonna you know I'm really gonna be going loud, to get my guys. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm basically gonna be going to get my guys. So you yeah. know, I'll have a core group of players that really are just gonna be my draft pool. And mm-hmm. yes, players are always at a value, and I'm always gonna try and take into account that if somebody really slips, you know, round plus round and a half past their ADP, mm-hmm. like Antonio Gibson, for instance. You know, I, I at the current moment I want zero shares of Antonio Gibson, but if mm-hmm. he starts falling into the seventh round, I'll, I'll get a share mm-hmm. or two. But I'm gonna be very underweight. You know, when it comes to that, um, you know, so you're OK with them. You just don't like where he's being taken at the moment. I'm not even OK with them. Like seventh round to me is is kind of getting into the territory where, OK, uh, you know, we're looking at true RBBCs uh, or uh, guys, you know, <clears throat> who we think may be the guy. But, you know, it's a very, very questionable situation. And mm-hmm. I don't feel you know confident about, you know, who's going to win that uh Who's gonna win that job? So yeah, uh, for Antonio, you know Antonio Gibson. Just for me, is the last two years I just haven't seen it. You know, um, I'm not saying that you can't win with him. I'm not saying that he couldn't I mean, be productive. He's only been elite two years though. Yeah, so but just uh, never seen it with him. Yeah, but I, I have not seen it with got him. You. I have not seen it over the course of a season. I've never felt comfortable putting him in my lineup. Right. Uh, you know, he's been banged Gibson's up. He's been had hurt. some good games though, like some high scoring games. He's had some good games, but he's not the type of player that I want to lean on. Now, right now right. his ADP is in the fifth about, round. Well, you said so yeah, for, the yes. fifth round. I so mean, fifth who round else is going around there. Like, I'd rather give have you what Zeke. Gibson can give you. I'd rather have Zeke. I'd rather have a number of those wide receivers. I'm not going to go over yeah, all of them. Yeah. But pretty much almost all those wide receivers that go in the fifth round, I would much rather have. Right, but if you were, if you were trying to say, I want to get my running back here or I want to get a running back here. I would wait because you can get running backs very late this year. That's one of the, you know, if you're a fan of like, okay, you really want to do a specific strategy like zero RB or anchor RB, mm-hmm. this is a year where you could really, I think, do that. I think it's a year where you can win with almost any strategy given where things are currently at, the current state of the board, but – that includes that zero RB because you can get guys, especially when I started off drafting. If I was getting CEH in the seventh round, you know, if he's my RB one and I, you know, you know, hit somewhere else, I'm set. You know, but so. I guess to me, the thing with Gibson is I think people are valuing him near his floor right now. People are valuing him as being injury prone and having somebody's going to share the 
backfield with McKissick and, and Brian Robson, the rookie. And, you know. And his quarterback <clears> change, <throat> who does and not dump it and, off. And it's, it's warranted. I'm not saying it's not warranted, yeah. but I, but again. <clears throat> I don't know if it's his floor, though. And I think it's. I, 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 because if I were to get Antonio Gibson from last year, who I thought yeah. was in a better situation mm-hmm. with a quarterback that was more. Uh, apt to check it down to his uh, running backs yeah. with less competition mm-hmm. to fight against, and uh, and his head coach not coming out saying that you know he's going to be week to week and we're going to split carries. I wouldn't draft him in the fifth round based off of what he did last year. You draft him later. I would not touch him. Gibson was a top. Just, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to know for sure, but to Gibson me, was not. He wasn't less than a running back two last so year in the draft. I don't in, care in about season. overall numbers. I okay. don't care about like looking at the end of the year and tallying up the numbers. What I care about is points per game and how confident I felt in starting but, in a but particular point, week. But points per game is a direct reflection. As long as he's playing the games, it's a direct reflection it's, of total points. It's an inaccurate stat. Because if you have a player that you do not trust starting in your putting in your starting lineup and you but, put him on your bench. But what's the value of the replacement? Who Who is in, uh, the other running back that you're going to say, I'm going to bench Gibson for and play this other guy? It could have been, been a number of running backs. It could have been Devin Singletary later in the year. It could have been Leonard Fournette the entire year. It could have been a <clears> number <throat> of guys that you got later on. It could have been Elijah Mitchell. Running backs pop up all the time. What I'm saying is when I, put, when I was putting in, you at multiple times last year, when you were st- setting your starting lineup, where Antonio Gibson was being drafted in the second round, but we're not that talk- second round, but but, but that's the, that's what I'm saying. We're not talking about him in the second round right now. We're talking about him. I, I get that, but what I'm round. saying, what I'm saying is, players that I draft there, I want them to be set and locked into my starting right, lineup. Right, but we're not talking about second round. We're, we're talking about what value have. I'm talking about because, the fifth round as well. If he's, if he's being drafted in the fifth round, that means he's, I want, that means I, he's being drafted as. A running back two, maybe even a back end running back two slash. I don't, I don't draft slash back end running back, running back, back yeah. three because if you're talking about fifth round, you, you could so have easily drafted draft him in the fifth round if he's a running back three. That's I'm, I don't no, want no, no, I'm not like talking that. about. I'm not talking about what his production. I'm talking about if you're drafting him in the fifth round, he is you're being drafted as your running back two or your running back three because most likely you already drafted one other running back prior to that. And if you didn't, that means you went zero zero running back, and that's still not a bad. First running back to have because again yeah. he has produced now consistency might be a question but honestly the whole running back landscape is probably questionable which is which brings me to my point is that that type of player that I do not feel confident in who's not consistent who but, I have but, to struggle with and whether whether to start week in and week out I don't want to draft again, that type of player in but, the in the fifth but round but again like I was saying I feel like he's being valued. At his floor, I feel like people. I don't know. People his, floor, not, people, his floor could be the eighth round. No, 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 not not where done. he's drafted, but his production. People are drafting him as if he's going to have a mediocre season. And what I'm saying is, first of all, he is talented. We've seen him. We've seen people games keep, where he put up three uh, touchdowns. Like we've seen, keep, but they. People keep saying he's talented. He may have one or two plays here or there, but as a runner no, 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 in between not, the tackles, he's he does not but, look talented but, to but, me. He's there, not figured but it out. But if you look at his stats, there's been games where he had very high scored games, like several games. And I know this because I, I have him on some of my team, yeah. and I've seen him do it. So, and, and again, he wouldn't even have that great of a season last year. So if he produces, again, I think people are scared of McKissick, scared of Robinson. So if he produces at his floor, I think he's fifth, sixth round value. But on the flip end, if he actually does kind of stack those games together where he is doing very well. Let's say the commanders have a good season. They're in uh, um, mm-hmm. they're in scoring range and they happen to give it to him. 
You know, he does have pass catching ability because he was a receiver in college. If he does actually produce and have a good season, that fifth round can end up being value for some players. And, and that's all I'm saying. Yeah, my confidence in that is low. Right. So yeah, I'm not I mean, saying that it's not within his realm of possibility, but my issue with that is that my confidence in him doing that yeah, is low. But, but that's so why I don't want to waste I don't want to waste my my shares of players that I draft in the fifth round on Antonio Gibson, is what right, I'm saying. Right, but okay, so the alternative you mentioned was Zeke. I don't think people are really confident in Zeke. I am confident in right, Zeke right, in the right, fifth round. Right, right, okay. So I'm not so saying, I guess you're talking about from your, from yeah, your point of view. Yeah, I'm talking about okay. my point of view. I'm okay. not saying, and I'm not saying that, you know, yes, it's well within the realm of possibility that, Anto, that Antonio Gibson outscores Zeke. But what I have to do as a player, getting back to Chris's main question as far as, okay, how am I going to be diversifying? This is a good example. I'm going to be way underweight on Antonio Gibson. Right. And if I see Zeke in the fifth round, I'm probably going to be more overweight on the amount of times that I take, you know, as far as my fifth round uh, draft pick. So I guess for me then, to answer your question, and I guess we kind of lose slightly to it in our dis- just recent discussion is, I I am diversifying, maybe even di- diversifying more so, because I truly believe in tier-based drafting, you know, as far as I have pockets of players that I kind of put in the same tier. And I will usually, especially, well, we're not really talking about dynasty, but I'll usually try to maybe get the last person in that tier that's on the board, you know? Let's talk about that for a second. Like, explain to me what tier-based drafting versus a true ranking is because we keep getting requests for rankings. Tell me the difference between tiers and just ranking players. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Like, okay, let's let's really simplify it. Let's talk about quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So if I was to say, okay, if I was to rank the quarterbacks, I'd probably say maybe, and this is – Arbitrary. This isn't my true rankings, but you know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, you know, mm-hmm. Lamar Miller. I mean, Lamar Jackson. Sorry, mm-hmm. but then if I was to say, okay, I want to tier draft it and say I have those four quarterbacks very, very close in value. Again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is how I see it, but say I do have them, like almost, you know, splitting hairs. I just have them ranked because I have to. Mm-hmm. Then for me, that would be a tier. And then when it comes to drafting, I'm gonna try to skip the first three of those guys that are drafted and mm-hmm. hopefully end up with that fourth guy or if the third guy, however way it plays out. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of tier drafting where it's like I have all these groups of players that I kind of value. The first guy in, the, in that tier, the last guy in the tier, probably not much of a difference. So when I end up drafting, because I'm not really targeting certain players. Again, mm-hmm. that's why I say I'm, I'm going to diversify. I don't really care which player it is. It's just that the player in that tier, that I, uh, a player in that tier, I just want to make sure I have on my team. You know, so that's kind of how yeah. I and this I is why draft. yeah, and this is well, why I plan to draft this year. Yeah, and I'm probably I probably definitely lean more tier, uh, but I also don't really draft off necessarily rankings because then yeah, I get into a situation where even though I may have you know Antonio Gibson ranked as what the 24th, 25th, whatever running back off the board, I just kind of went on a 15 minute you know you know, uh, discussion about how I really wanted to be underweight on him. Mm -hmm. So rankings can put you in a situation where you're forced to take a player when you really don't want him. It also, I think, can sometimes narrow, you know, your, your view on who to select. You know, if you're looking at rankings, say you go zero RB, okay, and you're looking at rankings, you can get to a situation where, okay, I've gotten four wide receivers and I really need a running back. And then you look at that rank and you're like, okay, this is the next running back. But then you bypass a wide receiver that's still very elite. 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in an overall maybe ranking, you know, he's in a, a much higher tier. Yeah. That's where it can kind of hurt you. So, uh, you know, rankings can be helpful to kind of give you a general sense. But, I mean, I think you really need to take a lot of different things. You know, it's crazy. Like, I don't even draft with the rankings anymore. No. And it's crazy because, I mean, I've been playing fantasy football since 2009, right? And the the very first time I played, you know, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So, I didn't even know what rankings were. Just Mm -hmm. pick players. Like, right? It's football. But then after a couple years, when I started to get a little bit more versed, I started doing rankings. And I did rankings literally year in and year out for all my fantasy drafts but it's it's kind of crazy and I really don't know what the pivot point was but the last couple years I don't draft for rankings whatsoever at all like Hmm. it's like I I understand the values as is Mm -hmm. and you know I mean it is what it is so I'm I'm, and I'm not even saying it's the best approach because I know some people need their rankings Mm -hmm. um, or need their tiers kind of listed out for them to see it but I really believe value especially in a high stakes tournament where you're trying to win a grand prize amongst thousands of people Mm -hmm. i think the true value is in how you build your team yeah i think team building is way more important than rankings and like abby said i think abby said it last year too that the true way to determine somebody's rankings is when they're on the clock and they have two options who are they picking you know because you can bs your way and say this is how i got them listed out yeah but if you have gibson ranked number 26 and yeah. you're at the draft, yeah. and then the number 26 option comes up. Mm-hmm. Abby's probably yeah. going to be like, eh, what's like, 27 guy look like? For, I know I have Dalvin Cook ranked as a number, thir- number three overall pick, period. Okay, is he not going there? Three, four, between him and Justin Jefferson. No, he goes at the back end of the 12th, okay? On the first? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, yeah, back end of the first. So, I remember when I first started drafting, you know, the entire time I'm thinking, okay, is this something that I'm missing here? Right. You know, because – you know, this is what the current ADP is, and then I look at other so, rankings. So, okay, so, so real quick, and don't ne- real quick, I don't mean yeah. to interject, but just yeah. real, real quick, yeah. the way, and I'm asking you this question, yeah. or even you, Chris, the way FFPC determines their ADPs at the exact at this exact moment, where do they gather that information? I have no idea, no clue, because it may because what you're actually bringing up yeah. now, mm-hmm. like why is Dalvin Cook? ADP at the back end of the 12. I don't know how they determine their start. I, I would assume they determ- determine they, their starting rankings based off of last year's production. Hmm. You know? So I think a lot of then why... Why C-Mac, last C-Mac wouldn't be two then? Say what? Like, C-Mac wouldn't be two then. Yeah, but eventually, like, they work their way okay. up. Yeah, eventually they work their way up. Because, like, when I first started drafting, C-Mac was going, like, five, six... Seven overall. Now he's kind of solidified himself. FFPC, if y'all are listening to this episode, please uh, shoot us an email or tweet. <laughs> Explain exactly how y'all find out. Because we know yeah. by the end of the summer, ADP is depending about how everybody's drafted, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But when people are standing at the gates waiting to get in, like Abby, right. how did y'all determine what ADP is? But that's start? the advantage, uh, you know, because. Oh, we'll I, see. Agree. We'll, I agree. We'll, we'll see because, you know, not to kind of get in the whole Dalvin Cook uh, discussion, but. You just yeah, shot. I, Dalvin Cook's ADP up by like two spots. No, nah, like you literally did that. I in feel real like time. it's going. I feel like it's going to get there regardless. I think <laughs> right, it's coming okay. up anyway. But like you know, I, I you know I like him as a really a strong positive TD you know regression candidate. Why do you like him, Coach? Because I think he just didn't score. If he would have scored more TDs last year, he would not be going at the back end of the twelve. All okay. he needs to do is score more TDs, okay. and based on the amount of touches that he gets, you can score TDs. And it's not hard to get his handcuff if you you know want that safety. You know, right. uh, like we talked about before, I don't project any running back for 16, 17 games total. So I'm not, you know, I already, you know, that's kind of built you into baked the in. I got baked you. in. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, and wide receivers deep. Uh, I do like getting one of the elite wide receivers, and Justin Jefferson is probably about the the wide receiver I feel the most confident about. As That's far pretty as much consensus, saying it. Yeah, so it's hard, you know. So usually I'll, I'll you know, if I had the th- you know third overall, I'm probably taking Justin Jefferson more often times than not. Uh, but then after that, I feel very, very comfortable and confident in just taking Cook afterwards. You know, I'll mix it. I'll probably go Cup just because it, it, otherwise I'm not getting Cup shares and I like Cup. You know, and he's in that tier. But and knowing that I can kind of get, you know, uh, Cook later in drafts. So, but, so Jefferson's going over Cup right now? Nah, no, no, no. I think Cup is going over him. Yeah. But I, I prefer Jefferson uh, by quite a bit. I haven't actually. made my mind up on Jefferson yet. Yeah. I'm not saying he's not a great talent or he's yeah. not vibe. I just don't know if I really am as high on him. Is what it seems like the rest of the yeah. community is, but yeah. it's something I got to think through. Again, we're at the very beginning of draft season. Let's talk about the DNA of a tournament-winning team, right? You've reached the mountaintop twice. Dio, you were a big part of, you know, his success, and you guys kind of draft together. You know, I know what the chat is. Like, talk about, like, the anatomy of a tournament-winning team and – what you need to kind of reach the end goal. I'll let him answer it. Hey, <laughs> he's the only one that knows. Yeah. <laughs> Two times, so yeah. he can give you both ways. Uh, I mean, you know, I think it definitely starts with a, a strong draft. Uh, and how you define that I think is important. You're not going to hit on all 20 picks. Uh, I mean, you may, but I think that's very, very hard to do. So, you know, we talked about one aspect, which is having, I think, a tight end that could produce at a top five finish. And you may be able to do it without it. Again, this is how uh, what I've seen in years past. And, and no, they want to know how you did it. How yeah. did you do it? So I really do feel like you need a top five tight end. And it doesn't hmm. necessarily mean that you have to drop, you know, draft a top five tight Just end. get one somehow. Get a top, yeah, top somehow five tight end. with one. Yeah. And, it, you know. Based off, you know, years past, there may be one or two guys that may kind of come out of nowhere, and we're all going to speculate and guess and try and get on top of those guys, and that'll be where I diversify mm-hmm. so that I can see if I can try and get that guy and, keep, you know, we keep our ears to the streets and, right. and on the Twitter to try to figure that out. But I think that's, that's one, and that's key. Uh, two is I really think, you know, when it comes to the quarterback position, you need to find a guy that you can get late. They can mm-hmm. produce QB1 numbers. I think if you waste an early draft pick on QB, you are really taking away one of those key position uh, uh, spots that is really needed. You know, we talked about consistency earlier. You know, that plays a role in the tournaments uh, because it's three weeks of total points to determine who's the overall winner. Mm-hmm. So getting a guy that has a spike week here and then two duds there you know, may not help you out as much as someone who can get you three consistent, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 15 to 20 point weeks. Uh, so those are the guys that I really want as part of my core, you know. So I think if you're, you know, wasting a, I don't say wasting, but using a fourth, uh, uh, you know, fourth round pick on, on that, it can be tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be done. You know, they did it last year, but I think it's very tough to do that. Actually, did they do it last year? No, they won with Burrow last year. Burrow, yeah. Okay, so you know, maybe maybe it has not been done. So I really look to, to try and get that quarterback late. You know, sometimes I'll play around with it if it's the sixth, seventh round, especially if I'm around the turn because, you know, uh, you know, I may just get that quarterback at the sixth round and then there's still some guys there that I feel confident in in the seventh round. Uh, and then the key is finding that Stephon Diggs, that Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. I think running backs, we can, like, you know, we're going to find them on the waiver wire. There going to be guys that we've never heard of or guys that we never suspected, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, that are going to emerge. Uh, so, and those guys are going to be on the waiver wires. Uh, mm-hmm. So 
you can win there. But finding that wide receiver in, you know, say the fifth to seventh round who can be the true wide receiver one is key. Right. So that's what we're kind of focused in on this year is finding out who that wide receiver uh, is. And we have like a number of different candidates for that. Uh, but I will say this year I feel like is, is unique because the quote-unquote uh, running back dead zone, I feel like there are a lot of you know, potential uh, guys who can perform at an elite level and, and, and be a part of a championship-winning team. And in that zone that you know, we're calling where we're looking for that wide receiver one, I feel like there are actually a lot of landmines. Hmm. I feel like a lot of people are throwing darts, rightfully so, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of duds. So I think it's, you know, a wide receiver dead zone in essence. Like, you know, you're really going to have to be looking for uh, the guy who can be consistent and who can be that true number one wide receiver. Right. Uh, so that, that, that's kind of part of it. And then Dale can probably speak on like drafting just being one aspect and then basically everything else that kind of goes into like, you know, winning the overall tournament. I mean, I haven't won it yet, so I can't speak yeah, on it at I all. Mean, but you get, you from observation, because yeah. I've seen Abby literally do it <laughs> yeah. twice. Um, I mean, everything he's saying obviously is valid. It's That's what works. I, I do think that, um, again, and I, I mentioned this a little earlier, team building is extremely important. You have to realize when you get into those tournaments, you know, it's like you have to have this hot streak. Mm-hmm. I mean, first get into the tournament, but once you get in there, regardless of how good your team is, you have your team has to have this this three week hot streak mm-hmm. where you just have hopefully most of your players having one of their best weeks of their mm-hmm. season three times in a row um, or having like like Abby had a couple years ago that that game where Kamara scored like six touchdowns yeah. just having oh, that yeah, yeah. crazy crazy week that happens to be in that three. Yeah. Week sprint, you and know? you need guys that are capable of that, right? And you need capability, you know, guys that have that capability. So um, I, I do think people kind of they they allocate some of their resources to the wrong places sometimes, mm-hmm. um, and <clears throat> maybe everybody's motivation is different. It's funny to me because I've once I'm not even trying to brag, but I've won you know my share of leagues, mm-hmm. you know that twelve team uh, insulated league. Mm-hmm. But I never really think of that as much of a win because I'm trying to win the tournament. Mm-hmm. But there's people that do take those league wins and, you know, they'll, they'll probably say, you know, I won, uh, I'm a league champion, yada, yada, you know, whatever. You know, that's mm-hmm. nothing to me. But there might be people that, that that's their goal. They right. want to win that. I don't even know how much the, the money is for 350 It's significant. <clears throat> yeah. It's what? It's significant. Yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah. So once you win that, they're probably like, I did it, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But... For me, if you're trying to win the big, big tournament, number one, I don't think late, late wide receivers can really get it done for you. I think Mm -hmm. those are more stop gaps. If you need somebody to fill a roster spot, Mm -hmm. you know, for a certain week, put them in there. Mm -hmm. But if you're depending on finding one of those late wide receivers to end up being a a big contributor, I think that's bad process. Because Mm -hmm. historically, the wide receivers that score the most, they're kind of consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, some people might go from wide receiver three to one or one to two or, you know, vice versa. But it's hard to go from wide receiver six yep. to wide receiver two, yeah. you know. Um, and on the flip end, like Abby was just saying earlier about running backs, you have these running backs that nobody's drafting right now. Nobody even knows their name. Mm-hmm. Yet by the time week 14 come around, he's a hot waiver wire pickup. He ends yeah. up winning weeks like <clears throat> Rex Burkhead last year mm-hmm. and Rashad Penny last year. Justin oh, yeah. Jackson. 
Justin Jackson, Dearness, yeah. you know, it wasn't during the, yeah. the the tournament week, but you know, he's somebody that could win yeah. you a week, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people, if they truly understand that, so first of all, people first understand that we don't know anything. We forgot about Cordero too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he let me down during the tournament, but whatever. <laughs> uh if people first had to understand we really truly don't know anything. Yeah. I like to say embrace the chaos, embrace the uncertainty. So if, if you go in with that mindset, then you'll then say, okay, I can take stabs at a wide array of options because because I don't know one of these options could actually hit. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't realize it at the time, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so I think they think about it that way. Quarterbacks, I'm not sure. I mean, Abby won the thing twice, so maybe I should just listen to what he just said. But I, I do think you can get one of the higher-end quarterbacks early and still win mm -hmm. because I really again I think it's just how well they do in that last stretch um now of course you know if you do get a later quarterback you can get that value but the thing about it with value to me is just because somebody is drafted at value in an early round doesn't mean that person's going to hit hmm. you know you have these guys that we like now during draft season mm -hmm. and then come during the season like Ayuk last year yeah. it's like does nothing for you. Yeah. So yeah, you probably were excited. Like I got Ayuk in the sixth round. Yeah. yeah. Shoot, you didn't even really want him on your team or Roby yeah. Anderson. You know, people yeah. like that. So, um, and this is the tough part about it too, is because um, you know somebody like Ayuk, uh, I'm gonna have to try and fit in some shares. Yeah, yeah, I like Ayuk this year. And it's not because of you know the way the thing you know the things currently sit that I think he is going to produce consistently or produces a wide receiver too it's that anything can happen like you said yeah. we don't know mm -hmm. so it is well within the realm of possibility that come week 15 16 17 Debo is He's out with dude. an injury yeah, yeah. and or, now Ayuk just has a great season yeah, yeah. and yeah. Oh, yeah. He or he has yeah. yeah and then why and then Ayuk is this you know you know, clear-cut wide receiver one. Mm -hmm. So, and this is kind of where it comes down to rankings and, you know, we talked about diversifying. Like, he's included in that kind of core because I think, based off of talent, you know, he could potentially, make you know, it happen. yeah, make it happen yeah. that I have to somehow incorporate. But if I were to put him in my rankings, he would be very, very low and right, I would almost right. never get him. Right, right. And, and it's kind of, kind of the same way, like, when we look back, when we were looking back last year during the season, we were seeing Cup and we were like, you know, why didn't we have more shares of Cup? Yeah. You know, like, why did we not see this happening? And it was one of those things where, yeah, okay, Cup last year, you say back in wide receiver two, yeah. high in wide receiver three. But again, because he has that, he he's in that range, he could still show you can be a wide receiver one. That's where and, I want to diversify. And we should have, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's we should have diversified. diversified. Said, look, yeah. he has a chance. Let's take a stab because we don't know. Mm -hmm. And it's easy in retrospect, but guess what? You gotta we gotta like learn. No, you from, gotta stay ready. You gotta learn from what mm -hmm. you know, you know, previous mistakes. And not say, you know, not take last year and say, okay, this is what we gotta do this year. Right. But understand that that's well within the you know, that situation may pop up again and look for those types of situations. Right. Look right. for those types of wins. You right. know, and the same thing, the digs the, the year before. Mm -hmm. You know, look for those situations where, okay, this is a wide receiver one on a team, you know, with an up and coming quarterback mm -hmm. that really, you know, people were, you know, no one was on Josh Allen, you know. Right. Uh and this is a younger wide receiver that got traded and did well, but didn't, you know, no one saw this in the realm of possibility. And he was going in the sixth, seventh round. Yeah. Right. And, and look what happened. And there, there are, there are, you know, you're going to laugh, but hey, you know, you can look at the Giants as, you know, an example of that. That's cheap. It costs you nothing. 
It costs you something. Also, but, and I guess I shouldn't really give this out, but I'll just say it anyways. I think people really need to strongly look into finding edges, mm-hmm. however way possible, however way possible. Yeah. Just something that can just, you can squeeze out an extra penny out of because yeah. in this tournament, every point counts. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to look back. And I, it happened to me last year. I don't know how, if it happened to y'all, but you don't want to look back when playoffs are about to start and look at your teams like, damn, if I would have scored 10 more points, oh, I would yeah. be in the playoffs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Where it's like, dang. I, and then you start thinking back, like, what roster decision did I make to mess this up? Um, you know, type of thing. Yeah. That's know? why I'm so big on, like, okay, you know, you tell me that a player scored X amount of points uh, or a player, you know, averaged, you know, X amount of points per game. And yeah, if it's one of those top end guys, yeah, he was in your lineup every week. But yeah. if it was one of those mid to lower tier guys, mm-hmm. how many times did you confidently start him? So to me, those points don't mean didn't a matter. lot. Yeah. It didn't matter because they were on your bench. Right. So you either gotta, you know, uh, realize, you know, you either gotta be better at start sits. You gotta or be able to tell the future, you, basically. You know? Yeah. So sometimes, you know, it, it's it's hard because you can you look at like those year end stats and and really, you know, I, I think. You know, to some degree, they're misleading, but... Yeah, I got you. I got you. All right, guys. That's it for this week. That's it? I do. That's it, man. We're not going to go over divisions? Uh, we're supposed to talk about divisions. We don't have to. We could do it. Uh, let's time. save it for next week. Okay. I also want to say this for next week, too. I do want to talk about, like, these tiers. Like, where are the breaks in the receiver tier? So, who's the last guy in your so, tier one? So, we can't do that. Years? Somebody asked me today on Twitter, and yeah. we talked about it last year. I think at some point, we'll put out a... Not rankings, but a tier. I actually put it out there. But, like, we should do it to where, like, it shows, like, the number one tier, who's the top guy at the tier, and then, like, the bottom guy at the tier. Then leave everything else in between blank. Oh, just give, and like, like, a people teaser? Just, yeah, and just let everybody else. Whatever. You're the showrunner. Whatever like, you decide. We're just, we're just here. We just talk. Like Man, question? Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. So, uh, Dynasty Sleepers. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so oh, I don't want to take. Let me, let me get my pencil. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to take full credit for this. Somebody actually put me on this on one of my dynasty leagues. All right. Um, and usually I don't even really look at tight ends mm-hmm. as far as rookies. Um, but Greg Dosich for the Broncos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned yeah, him in the chat. Him, so, yeah. I think y'all should be looking at him. Yeah. Um, he apparently is one of the better receiving options that was in the draft at tight end. The team was very excited to draft him. Hmm. Um, he's one of their first drafts. But remember, they didn't have a first round pick. I don't mm-hmm. even think they had a second round pick. Who drafted him? The Broncos. Okay. So I think he was their first draft pick, if not the first. He was one of their top two. Um, again, very very good athletic profile. And remember what I was saying earlier: mm-hmm. the tight ends being athletic is the big key. Once you have that, all that's left is just getting the opportunity. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Greg Dosich. Um. Also look at the Eagles undrafted free agent. Oh yeah, Kennedy mm-hmm. Brooks. Yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. They paid him a good amount of money. Y'all know how the Eagles are with their running back mm-hmm. situation. It just it, it could be back. random. Yeah. <laughs> Sanders is in the contract year. You know, yeah. he might not come back. Um, now, he is an undrafted free agent, so he's, he can be cutting tomorrow. Yeah. But he's just somebody out there. Um, I don't know if I talked about Danny Gray last week. If no. I didn't, I, I wanted to. I'm really excited about Danny Gray with the 49ers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Third-round draft pick. Um he might be their field stretcher, four mm-hmm. three speed. Uh, went to SMU. Um, they like him a lot. They like him a whole. From what I read, you know, they like him a lot. So 
Don't be surprised if he ends up being a thing, mm-hmm. um, especially with Trey Lance's arm. Mm-hmm. Trey Lance can really put it out there. I know you're not a big Trey Lance guy, but if Trey Lance can put it out there, he he work, he fits very well with Trey Lance's skill set. So. All right, all right. That's it. Anything else, guys? Anything to pub? Just stay ready. All right, guys. All right, guys. Please like, rate, subscribe. We're out.